So guys, as you're leaving church today, uh, make sure you pick up uh, your book. We got a book for all the dads here today, so pick that up on your way out, a free gift from the church, help from God's word for fathers, a treasury of sacred scriptures, and I've read through this and it is excellent. So we hope you'll be, pick up one before you leave today, all you dads out there. I mean, dad, let's have all our dads just stand up today. Can we just see all our dads, all the dads of Whitley Church? Give them a big hand. Yep. Thank you, fellas. We are in the book of Psalms, and we are in the most famous chapter in that book, chapter 23, and we are looking at the keys to satisfaction, the keys to contentment. And in this message, we have said <clears throat> that no one can be truly contented apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you do not have a personal and intimate relationship with him, you can uh, begin that today. You can begin that relationship with Jesus today. And we'll give you an opportunity uh, to do that at the end of the service. These God-given keys to genuine contentment, we believe, are found right here in this 23rd Psalm. The first verse says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We all know that verse very well, but as we read it and we become very familiar with it, the problem with that is it becomes so familiar that we just kind of don't really look at it that close. So what I wanted to do in this series was uh, make us all kind of stop and just really slow down and let's look at this chapter because it is one of the most incredible, amazing chapters in the whole Bible. Those first two words, the Lord, we talked about that word Jehovah and how it is the most sacred name that the Jews had for God. It is Jehovah and um, it means so many things. The Lord sovereign, the sovereign God. How, and that word sovereign means uh, that he rules over all. Uh, I gave you the three big words I know. Omniscient. He knows all things. Omnipresent. There's nowhere he is not. He's always present. Omnipotent. He is all powerful. He is sovereign God. When you think of the word sovereign, you think of words like crown and, and throne and, and royal regal robes and golden scepters because he is not just mighty God, he is almighty God, he is our king, and he is the sovereign God. Well, when I know that, when I know that, and I hear that kind of teaching and read that kind of material, it makes me have a sense of contentment in my heart, because this is the God I serve. But not only is he the Lord, he is a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And it's almost like David kind of slams on brakes, the Lord, and then is my shepherd. And he is our, he is our uh, shepherd king, our king shepherd. He is both of those things. When we talk about him being a shepherd, we talk about his love for us. We talk about his care for us. Yes, he is a king, but don't forget, he is available to you. He is approachable. You can come up to this king. You can, you can touch this king. He will let you touch him because he is 
a shepherd. We found out last week that he is the good shepherd because he died on the cross for the penalty of sin. We found out that he was the great shepherd because he rose from the dead to show us that he has power over sin and he is the chief shepherd because he is coming again to deliver us from the presence of sin. What an awesome, amazing shepherd we serve. Now, here's the beautiful thing. The sovereign God plus the shepherd God equals in your life satisfaction. The God of sovereignty and the God who is a shepherd, when he is in your life and rules in your life and you have let him come into your life, becomes to you the God of satisfaction, the God of contentment. Now, I want you to listen carefully to me today because what I'm going to give you is so simple that if you don't listen to it, you'll, you'll miss what God's trying to say to you. Here's how this thing works. Here's how, here's how Psalm 23.1 really reads. And, and, and I'm just going to add some words in there so you will kind of really see what Psalm 23.1 is saying to you. As a believer, and if you're not a believer today, today, you haven't yet received Christ, listen to this and let this convince you today that you need Christ in your life. Listen to this. Here's what this verse means. Since the Lord is my shepherd, since he is, since the Lord is my shepherd, and what that means is, here's what shepherds do for sheep. Since he feeds me, since he guides me, and since he shields me. Isn't that beautiful? See, that's what the shepherd does. He feeds, he guides. Oh, this one's important. He shields. How many of you know we need a shield in the day we live in? The shepherd is our shield. So since the Lord is my shepherd, and since what shepherds do is feed and guide and shield, then because of that, I shall not want. Now, let me tell you something about the Bible. When you're studying a passage of Scripture, within that passage of Scripture, there is always a key to understanding it. Within that passage, there's always a key to understanding it. So when you're studying the Bible and you're studying a passage of Scripture, look for the key. You say, well, how do I find it? Ask God to show it to you. Surround yourself with good books that will point the key out to you. Now in Psalm 23, you know where the key is to understanding this whole chapter? You know where the key is? It's hanging on the front door. It's hanging right there on the front door in verse 1. Here's the key to understanding the whole rest of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, and since he is my shepherd who feeds and guides and shields, I shall not want. Now if you'll notice... When we'll get into verse 2 next week, and in verse 2 we're going to talk about God's stress reduction plan. Now I know that doesn't apply to anybody here, and I know none of y'all need that. But if you'll just take notes and share it with your friends and family who need to know how to deal with stress. How many of y'all could use some information on stress? Amen, amen. We live in a stressful world. We're all in the vice, aren't we? We're all under the pressure. We're going to talk next week about what God says about how to reduce the stress in our life. This church ought to be packed out. I can't even wait to hear what I'm going to say. 
So the key is on the front door. Until you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, you'll never have contentment. Until you can say for yourself, the Lord is my shepherd, you will never have any satisfaction in your life. Until you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, you cannot say, I shall not want. Many people believe and teach that the only way um, we can be contented is to have a God who gives us everything we want. But that is not what this means. That is not what this verse teaches, and that is not the key to contentment. Listen, listen, the key to contentment is not getting everything you want. I mean, just look at Hollywood. What is there left for some of them to have that they don't already have? They got it all according to the world. They have it all, and they are some of the most miserable human beings on the face of this earth. So that's what we're going to talk about today. The key to contentment, listen, listen, is the Lord himself. Now, I'm going to say a statement here, and you're going to hear me say it several times in the sermon today. The key to contentment is not what God gives you And not what God does for you. The key to contentment is God. And the reason we freak out is because we think he ought to do something for us he's not doing. Or give us something he hasn't given us. And here's what he's waiting for on you. He's waiting for you to make him the contentment of your life. Not what he gives you and what he does for you. Y'all with me? I mean, what if your kids only loved you when you were doing them favors and giving them things? I mean, that would hurt you. And it hurts our father when he knows that the only reason we talk to him and the only reason we come to church and the only reason we maybe put something in the offering is because, man, we don't want to cut off what he's given us and what he's doing for us. Now, now what I'm talking about here this morning is a deeper love for God. It's okay. Listen, that's what Thanksgiving is all about. When you're offering up Thanksgiving, you're saying, God, thank you for what you do for me, and thank you for what you give me. Thanksgiving is very, 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 very important. As a matter of fact, the Bible says about Thanksgiving that if you are not thankful, it is like unto witchcraft. Wow, that's pretty big, isn't it? So thanksgiving is very important. So instead of being grumbly hateful, we need to learn to be humbly grateful. Write that down. That's pretty good right there. So thanksgiving is very, very important. But listen, thanksgiving is focused on what he does and what he gives. What God wants is something really above that where you say, my fulfillment is not in what he gives and does. My fulfillment is in him. Knowing him, being close to him, loving him, letting him love me, having an intimate relationship. When that happens, your true and deepest needs will be met in your life. Things will never satisfy you. Things will never satisfy you. Here's a verse that people twist all up, especially some of these glory boys on TV. I've heard them take this verse and just make a, a debit card from heaven out of it. Um, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And and here's what they say. They they say, if I love Jesus, I can have a pink Cadillac. I mean, you know, that's what they're teaching. Or sell a lot of Mary Kay. I understand you can get a pink Cadillac too. But uh, this is not what this verse means. It's not what it means. 
This verse means, and listen, listen carefully, and the Lord help me here. This verse means that when you delight in the Lord, and you stop delighting in the stuff he gives you and the stuff he does for you, and your delight is in him, then and only then will the deepest needs of your heart be met. Y'all see that in that verse now? Believer, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. And if you're an unbeliever today, don't beat yourself up because we've all been unbelievers. Everybody in here has been an unbeliever. That means you just haven't accepted Christ yet. Whether you've accepted Christ into your life yet or whether you haven't done that yet, the deepest desire of every single person on this earth, the deepest need, the deepest desire of their heart is Jesus Christ. I mean, even that guy in Iran, Ahmud, I'm a dinner jacket. Y'all know him? I mean, that's the best way. That's the easiest way. <coughs> he, you know what he wants? He, he, he will never accept this. He'll never believe this. I hate to say never because there's always hope for everybody. But, but he'll, he, he doesn't believe it. But you know what the deepest need of that guy's life is? Jesus. Saddam Hussein, before he died, if he had just turned to Jesus, Adolf Hitler and his quest to take over the world and rule the world, all it was was uh, uh, he was seeking fulfillment. You say, I believe these people were demon-possessed. They may have been, but it doesn't change the fact that the deepest need of every human being on this earth, God made you that way where you are never going to be fulfilled until you give your life to him. That's how he made you. That's how he, that's how he created you. Jesus is what your heart desires. Jesus is what my heart desires. Jesus is what every heart yearns for. You were made so that nothing else would bring you pleasure. The Bible says you were made for his pleasure. Paul talked about it in the book of Acts chapter 17 and verse 28. When he was in Greece, you know, most preachers, I think Paul was kind of like a, a, had a layover in Greece. You know, most preachers I know, if they had a layover in Greece and they were headed somewhere else, they'd be looking for like a tour guide or They'd be looking for a tour bus or something like that. And, you know, I've told you all this before. You know, when, a, when big evangelists today go in a city to preach, they want to know what the hotels are like. They got nice hotels. Paul always wanted to know what the jails were like because he knew he was going to be in jail. He's like, I hope they got nice jails in that town because I'll be in jail. Um, and, and so, so Paul here is, is he's at this, and I want you to watch. There's so much right here, and I only have so much time. But I want you to look at how Paul uses culture here. And a lot of people talk against this. And they say the church shouldn't use culture to, to relate the gospel. But that's precisely what Paul does right here. Here's what Paul does. Paul, Paul says, okay, I got a couple days. I'm waiting for some guys to catch up with me. And then we're going to go somewhere else to minister. So I'm waiting for some guys to catch up with me. So, so Paul goes, where can I preach? I want to preach while I'm waiting for them. Isn't that awesome? God, make us like Paul. He said, he said, where can I preach? And so Paul, he, he said, I know I'll go down to the marketplace. Uh, I'll go down to the Areopagus. That was like the mall. And Paul goes, I'll go down there and I'll preach. And, uh, and so he looked around. He said, now how can I preach in a way that will relate culturally to these people? And so Paul said, uh, man, look at all the idols. So the culture there was one of pagan idol worship. 
And then Paul realized that there were even more idols than there were people in the city. And, um, and what they were doing, watch this now, they were worshiping the creation. Because they had a God of the grass and a God of the moon and a God of the sky and a God of the birds and a God of the fish and a God of the... See, all that's creation, not creator. So Paul noticed that, and then he saw this idol or this monument to the unknown God. And Paul went, ah. And so he said, fellow Grecians or Grecians or whoever, he said, I don't know any of these gods you have, but the one you don't know, he is the one I know, and he is Jesus. And he is the one who made all the other stuff that you're talking about here. And he talked about God being their creator. And then he said this. He said, in him we live and move and have our being. It is in Jesus, only in Jesus, that we are contented. That's what he was telling them. See, Jesus was confirming the 23rd Psalm, especially verse 1. See, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. People find things and they say, oh, the Bible says over here and then it says over here. Oh, give me a break. Take that to somebody else, please. I mean, you're just showing your ignorance. Not y'all, but second service people. So, so Paul said, don't, Paul said, understand that your, your happiness is in him. It is in him. This Jesus that you live and move and have your being. He said, what he was saying to them is you give it up. You are not going to be happy. You are not going to be contented. You're not going to be satisfied outside of this. Let me give you this illustration. This is really deep, so you've got to listen. What did God make a fish to do? Swim in the sea. What did God make a bird to do? Fly through the air. Now, if you take a fish and put him in a tree, that's one unhappy fish. If you take a bird and put him in the sea, that is one ticked off bird. Why? Because they are not in their element. Listen, listen, listen. What is your element? Your element is Jesus. And when you are not in Jesus, you are like a bird in the sea. You are like a fish in a tree. You are miserable. You can pretend. But you know what? At night when all the lights get turned off and it's just you and God and you're laying in that bed in the dark, you know, don't you? You know it isn't right. Things aren't right. Because that party you were just in that seemed to be so awesome, the party was temporary. And I didn't say sin doesn't bring a little bit of pleasure. The Bible says sin brings pleasure. But it's like those, it's like those Big Macs for $2, two Big Macs for $2. It is for a limited time. Sin will bring pleasure, the Bible says, for a what? Season. For a little time. And look, when you buy a new car, you go to a party, or you get high on drugs, or you have sex with somebody you're not married to, I'm not saying there isn't some momentary sense of satisfaction as it relates to the flesh, but I'm telling you, after that, man, you spiral down. You spiral down. Let me tell you something about addiction. Those of you who have addictions, whether it's pornography, or whether it's drugs, or alcohol, or what it is, here's the deal on that. You're right here, 
and you say, I don't like being right here, I want to be up here. So then you take the drugs or you have the illicit affair or you look at the pornography or you, and it gives you that. But the next time you drop down, you don't drop down to here, you drop down to here. And then you take and you drop down. And, you, and what used to be bottom is now top. Because your contentment is not in a drug and it's not in a bottle and it's not in some sexual relationship with somebody you're not married to. Your contentment is in Christ. It is in Christ Jesus. Let that word be in us today. Friends all around me are trying to find what the heart yearns for by sin undermined. I have the secret. I know where it is found. Only true pleasures in Jesus abound. Jesus is all this world needs today. Blindly men strive for sin darkens their way. Oh, to pull back the grim curtains of night. One look at Jesus and all will be right. Amen, amen, amen. When a man can say the Lord is my shepherd, then he can say I shall not want. Let's look at what David did. David took this word Jehovah and he welded it to another Hebrew word, Jehovah, Hebrew for, for the Lord, the most sacred name, and he welded it to another Hebrew word. And it is the word Jehovah Ra'ah. And Jehovah Ra'ah means the Lord, my shepherd. But the Lord didn't just do this in Psalm 23 1, the Lord did this seven times in the Bible. Seven times he took the name Jehovah and welded it to another name to create for us names for God that reveal his attributes. And let me go through those uh, with you very quickly. First of all, as we've already mentioned, Jehovah Ra'ah, and that is Psalm 23.1, Jehovah is my shepherd. But then there is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh is in Genesis 22, 14, and that is Jehovah, or the Lord, my provider. And then Jehovah Rapha, and that is in Exodus 15, 25, and that is Jehovah, my healer. Has anybody ever needed Jehovah the healer? Anybody ever needed him? Who could use a little Jehovah the healer this morning? Anybody? Amen. God sees your hand. How about, uh, you know, in this economy, anybody need a little Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider? Who is my provider? Who? Say it. Who's my provider? Jehovah the Lord. You say, well, I'm not getting my check or my check is half the size it used to be. Listen to your pastor this morning. You look full into the face of God. And you say, God, you take care of me. Not the company I work for or not the company I did work for or not the person who signed my check. And God, I'm thankful for my job and I'm thankful for that company and I'm thankful for the people who have given me business. But Lord, they're not my provider. You are my provider. You are my Jehovah Jireh. You are the one who takes care of me. And Lord, I don't care how bad it looks. I'm going to trust you. Amen, amen. Hear the word of the Lord today. I got excited. Jehovah Jireh, he is my provider. Jehovah Rapha, he is my healer. Jehovah Shalom, anybody need a little peace in their life today? Woo, bring it on, Jesus. Jehovah Shalom, Judges 6, 24. Jehovah the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah said, Canoe is in Jeremiah 23, 6. Jehovah, my righteousness. You say, I don't get real excited about that one. Well, you better. 
Because I'm going to tell you something, man. You'll never make the heaven on your righteousness. You know what? When you stand before God on judgment day and he looks at you, you better hope he don't see your righteousness. Because your righteousness is as, and it won't make it into heaven. You say, well, how am I going to make it into heaven then? Because when you get saved and you accept Jesus, he imparts to you his righteousness. He imparts to you his holiness. So when you stand before God on judgment day and the Father looks down at you in judgment, he doesn't even see you. He sees you covered. It's called propitiation. He sees you covered in his son. And he sees the righteousness of his son because only the righteousness of Jesus can go into heaven. You say, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I don't doubt that. Hey, preacher, you better back off. I put some money in your offering today. Thank you very much. But I love you so much, I wouldn't dare make you think giving money is going to get you to heaven. I love you so much, I wouldn't dare make you think joining this church has anything to do with you going to heaven. I'll baptize you so many times the tadpoles know your social security number. I don't even know what that means. But I'll baptize you all you want me to baptize you. But water baptism is not salvation. Salvation is when you humble yourself and say, I am lost, and I am on my way to hell, and I'm messing up my life, and I need something I don't have, and it is Jesus, and Jesus, come in, come in and save me today. And when you say that, that is when you become one of his children. We're not all one of his children. Some people say, oh, we're all God's children. No, we're not. You're not born into this world one of his children. You're born into this world needing to be adopted. The Bible says in the book of Romans, you need to get adopted into the family. And you do that by just coming to him and asking, Lord, I'm an orphan. I'm an orphan. Adopt me, Lord. And he will take you in right then, right there. Y'all with me today? And then Jehovah Nisi. In Exodus 17, 17, 17, 15. Jehovah, my banner. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah. Ezekiel 48, 35. Jehovah. I love this one. Ever present. Ever present. You may feel like you're without him sometimes, but you're never without him. Never. Sometimes he'll turn the lights off so you can't see him. But standing somewhere in the shadows... You'll find Jesus. He's ever present. Ever present. Well, I got to looking at the 23rd Psalm, and I found all of these in the 23rd Psalm. Can I just go through the whole 23rd Psalm and show this to you real quick? Watch this. The Lord is my shepherd. Who is that? Jehovah Ra'ah, my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't want anything. Well, who is that? That's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I don't want anything. He's my provider. Uh, he restoreth my soul. Who is that? That's Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Isn't that good? He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, my goodness, who is that? That's Jehovah Shalom, the God of my peace. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Well, who is that? That's Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. And then I love this one. Thou preparest a table before me. But look where it's at. In the presence of mine enemies. Well, who is that? That's Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Because you see, listen, listen, listen. When the enemy comes against me like a flood to destroy me, God will raise up a banner. He's your protector. Y'all with me today? 
Anybody out there? Pastor's got a little preaching in him today. I will never or I will fear no evil for what? For what? Why will I fear no evil? Why is there no need for me to fear? For thou art with me. Well, who's that? That's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord ever present. God ever present. Always present. Mm. I tell you, if I wasn't saved, I'd get saved today. I'm telling you right now. So here's what David is saying. He's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, this is important. Not what God does for me. That's not my shepherd. Not what God gives me. That's not my shepherd. The Lord himself is my satisfaction. Do y'all see how that's deeper? Do you see how that's... You see, that would be like looking at your wife and saying... Or looking at your spouse and saying... If you give me certain gifts, if you do certain things for me, then I love you. But what if your spouse wasn't able? Would you still love them? Sure you would because you love them not for what you get, but you love them for who they are. That's how God wants to be loved by you. That's that deeper love. The things God gives me and the things God does for me are only representative of all that God is to me. There are only two things of all that God is to me. Go through those names. You say, what are you talking about? All God? Go through those names. My righteousness, my banner, all that. He's all of that too. Now, let me close by saying this. Is he your shepherd? You see, the only way you can say the Lord is my shepherd is to make the shepherd your Lord you can't say the Lord is my... See, we live in a world, listen to this very carefully. We live in a world where the teaching in society today is you're all God's children. The fatherhood of God. God is everybody's daddy and we're all his children in the world. I'd like to buy the world a Coke in perfect harmony. Y'all remember that song? You know, uh, what, what's the uh, other oh, we all get together at camp and link our arms and sing Come By Ya or something, you know. And we're all, we're all God's children. We all turn into hippies. We're all God's children. Peace, dude. We're going to heaven, man. Everybody's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. No, we're not. Come out of Woodstock and wake up. We are not all of God, we're not all God's children. Look what Jesus said. Everybody can't claim uh, uh, Psalm 23.1. Everybody can't stand up and say, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. Let's go to King's Dominion. You know, everybody, nothing wrong with King's Dominion. But you can't claim, everybody can't claim that. You cannot say the Lord is my shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. Have you made the shepherd your Lord? If you've made him your Lord, then stand up and say, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. But if you've not made him your Lord, you can't say this verse. I'm not trying to be mean. I, matter of fact, I'll tell you something. One of the meanest things I could do is tell you we're all God's children. It sounds like the nicest thing somebody could say. We're all, we're all Christians and we all just love Jesus and all of us. No. No. Listen. Jesus said in John 10, 26, but you do not believe. And the reason you do not believe is because you are not 
of my sheep. Those who do not believe are not of his sheep. Y'all with me out there? So you've got to be of his sheep. You can say, now here's what you can say if you're not a believer. You can say the Lord is the shepherd, but you cannot say he's my shepherd. Three things very quickly. Turn over on the back of your paper and write these down. Three things to remember about a true sheep's relationship with the true shepherd. A true sheep, his relationship with the true shepherd. Y'all know there are some false shepherds out there. Okay? Number one is personal relationship. It is a personal relationship. Look, you are not a Christian because you joined the church. You are not a Christian because your grandma was a Christian. Y'all ever heard that? Uh, my grandma, she helped dig the foundation out there at that church. Well, first of all, why was your grandma digging? <laughs> and you, have y'all heard this? My grandma and granddaddy, boy, they were, they were pillars of the church. And I've been in this church all my life. Well, God's got children, but he don't have any grandchildren. So my, my question to you today isn't, have you, ha, has grandma and grandpa and mom and dad, are they in the church? And are they? I'm asking you today, how about you personally? Are you, do you, have you had, and this is old language and it's not seeker friendly, but I'm asking, have you been born again of the Holy Spirit? Have you confessed that you're lost and no matter how good grandma was or how good grandpa was, you need Jesus? Have you said that? I need a Savior. I got a buddy of mine I went to high school with, grew up with, and he, brought, he was, came up in the church all of his life. Next thing I knew, he was on a building committee. I wasn't the pastor of the church, but he was on a building committee. He was on this committee. Next thing I knew, he was on the deacon board, and I never heard about the day he gave his heart to Jesus. You know, that's why churches are in such a mess. We got people who have grown up in the church and we put them in places of authority and they don't even know the Lord. Amen, amen. That's good preaching right there. Make a tape of this. I'll buy it. Personal relationship. How do you have a personal relationship? You got to confess your sin. You got to repent of your sin. You got to turn from your sin and you've got to embrace the Savior. You say, well, how, how, how do I know I'm one of his one of his sheep. Well, here's three characteristics in John 10, 27. It says, my sheep, number one, they hear my voice. Number two, I know them. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, all I know is he said in one place in the scripture, he was going to have to tell some people, depart from me, for I never knew you. Hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. There's the big one right there. Because people go around telling me they're Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I, I, I'm living. And then I look around. They're not following him. Jesus said one of the best ways to tell if you're one of my sheep is if I'm walking and you're behind me. Okay? Mm, this is good. Number two, not only is it personal, it's permanent. It's a permanent relationship. Look what he says in John 10, 28. And I give them what kind of life? What kind? Eternal life. And they shall, when will they perish? When? Never. Any earthly shepherd or false shepherd, he's going to lose some sheep from time to time. But the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, never loses any one of his lambs. The shepherd will never leave me. He'll never let me go. He said in John 10, 28, I'll give them eternal life. They'll never, never perish. Look at John eleven twenty five. 
John eleven twenty five 25 says, I am I myself, this is Jesus talking, I myself and the resurrection and the life. Jesus told her, the man who believes in me will live even though his body physically dies. And anyone who is alive and believes in me will what? Never die at all. It's permanent. Never ending. When Jesus saved you, he never intended for that relationship to be anything but eternal. Thirdly, and I love this one. It's personal, it's permanent, it's protected. Your relationship with Jesus is protected. God doesn't save you and then go, yon, yon, good luck, hope it works out for you. Look what he says in John 10, 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Listen to me this morning. When you give your heart to Jesus, he takes you right in the palm of his hand. When you give your heart to Jesus, he reaches right out there and takes you right in the very palm of his hand. You're, listen, if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you are in the hand of an almighty God. And no one or nothing can reach in there and take you out of the hand of the good, great chief shepherd. You're protected. You're protected in him. Well, let's close in prayer today. Would you just bow your head? This is a crucial moment in the service. So I'm going to ask everybody to just please try to keep your seat right now if you can. Don't leave without Jesus today. Don't leave without Jesus. Look, I, I'm, I'm not going to make you walk up here and I'm not going to make you parade yourself. Back in my day when I was in church, you had to kind of parade yourself in front of everybody and walk up. And I'm not going to do that to you. Bible doesn't say it's necessary. But right there where you are, can I just ask you to do something today? Can I just ask you to make him your Lord? See, you can't say he's your shepherd. You can't say the Lord is my shepherd until you make the shepherd your Lord. So just say to him right now, Jesus, I know you love me. And Jesus, I know you've been pursuing me. And I've been running away from you. And I know, Jesus, I've I've talked about all kind of things in the church that are hypocritical because I've been trying to find an excuse. But I know I need you, Jesus. And I know you died for me. And I know they buried you to just put you away and forget about you, but you came forth out of that grave. And when you died, you paid the penalty of my sin. And when you came out of the grave, you... You showed the power over sin that you have and that I'll have too if I'll receive you. And then, Lord, I know you're coming. I know you're coming back because the Bible says you're the chief shepherd and you will return to take us out of the presence of sin. And, God, that's the part that bothers me because I don't think I'm ready for your return. I don't think I'm ready. And I want to be ready, Jesus, so right now I'm opening the door of my heart.
I've had it closed, but God, I know that handle's on the inside, and I know it's all up to me, and I know you're not going to come through that door unless I let you through it. So right now, I'm letting you in. I'm opening that door, and I'm asking you right now, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart this morning, Jesus. I need you so I'll be a better dad. I need you so I'll be a better friend, a better brother, a better son, a better daughter, a better wife, a better mother. I want to just be a better person, God. And most of all, I want to be able to call you my shepherd. I want to be able to call you my shepherd. Jesus, come in my life. Save me today. Save my soul. If you prayed that prayer and you meant business, because you see, God does business with people who mean business. And if you were serious about that, and you meant business, would you just slip your hand up, put it right back down? Just slip it right up and put it right back down. God bless you. God sees you. God sees you. Now I want everybody to look at me. We have about five people raise their hand. Let's thank God for that. Here's a, here, see, we, we can't look down on anybody. Because y'all remember I raised my hand one day, didn't you? We all had to raise our hand because we all needed a Savior. If you would like, those of you who raised your hand, we have some materials we'd love to give you that will help you get on your way and help you get your Christian walk going. So uh, Pastor Andy, excuse me, he'll come up here and uh, just walk up after service. He'll hand you that material. Those of you who are visiting today, make sure you go back to the um, Connect Center and pick up your gift and information bag. We're so glad you came to Whitley today. I hope you were blessed. God bless you. Thank you for coming.